You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers. My name is Tony East. Of course, I cover the team and host this podcast. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News. And today we have a lot to talk about because the Pacers for the second time this month are on a three-game losing streak. Uh, tough week last week, lost to the Warriors, Celtics, and Knicks. They were right there in all of them and lost them all. So we have a lot to talk about. And joining me on the other line, my lovely co-host of this podcast, former Indy Corners writer extraordinaire, Adam Friedman. Adam, how's it going outside of basketball? Well, it's not been a great for the Pacers, but uh, it's been a solid week for me. I don't know. Things good. are going. Yeah, yeah. Good week for me as well. In, in actual life, I got some work-life balance back, which was exciting, which made watching Pacers games all the more fun, even though the games themselves were not fun. So today, we're going to talk about what we think are some low-hanging fruit lineup things the Pacers can do to be a little better and try to get out of this three-game slump. Uh, and then we'll talk about two things that are hurting them in this slump, uh, one player in particular and one timing of the game and then we got a little bit about Sabonis being an all-star although we won't hang too much on that because it's been discussed a lot and then preview this week of games so a lot to get to today let's start with the segment that I named in our lovely organizing sheet the low-hanging fruit lineup changes for the Pacers so there are two things that we have here and one of them we've talked about on the show before but the Pacers have kind of gone away from it and that is the Miles Turner as the only center minutes because those are some of the Pacers' best minutes this entire season. Some detractors for, you know, Sabonis not being an all-star pointed at these minutes and said, look how good they are when Sabonis isn't in the game. That's how good these minutes are, is that they're literally hurt, they hurt Sabonis' all-star case. So with Turner as the only center on the floor, the Pacers have a 117.9 offensive rating and a 101.5 defensive rating. Absurd stats. They've given up 528 points on 520 possessions in those minutes, and that's a lot of minutes, right? So it's it's pretty crazy how good those numbers are. Now, if you make a date filter, in the month of February, Miles played as the solo center for 84 minutes. They played 12 games in the month. That's about seven minutes a game. They played about 36 minutes. They played exactly 36 minutes of solo Turner uh, over the last two weeks. So they've kind of gone away from it a little more. And some of that is Sabonis playing with the bench at the start of the second quarter. Some of it is Goga getting a little bit more burn. And I think somehow, some way, but whether, you know, I think Goga should play. So I think the some way is fewer Sabonis solo minutes. But maybe it's taking away Goga's minutes because the team is reeling so much. But somehow, some way, Adam, I think the Pacers have to find a way to get these Turner solo minutes back. Yeah, it, it seems like the Pacers are playing Sabonis 36 and a half minutes per game. That still seems too high. It feels like he could be at 34, even just a little bit less, just for his sake. Because um, you do, he does look exhausted. He gets beat up. I mean, in the next game, for example, he was getting just like hammered by Julius Randle over and over again. They were calling half the time and whatnot, and he. You, was frustrated for sure by it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there are minutes there just whether they want to go to them. It, it, there's feels like it's it's less of the Nate McMillan kind of I'm never going to play Turner with alone by himself and let him kind of be the guy. They're moving more to it. But when Turner's in the game, the defense is just so much better that it's hard not to play him. And you especially need him late in these games because they have they're they're getting killed, especially with the lamb lines when they play lamb too much late in the games, for sure. Um, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> the minute the minute you see him traded for Turner, things like all of a sudden get so much better at times. And so, it, it just feels like the the way they stagger Turner right now maybe needs to be a tiny bit different to get him more yep. of the clutch kind of minutes. So even in these last two weeks, it's only thirty six minutes. Like I said, this sample is insanely small, right? The, the thought about Turner. And this was true for forever until the season is like, sure, you get more defense, but you give up something on offense. Yeah, that, that was true. The 36 minutes they've played, I, I'm just picking um, February 15th because that's two weeks ago. Uh, 124 offensive rating with just Turner and no You a better offensive player this year. I mean, you can see. Yeah, right. Even with him missing these threes, like he's shooting awful recently. Like I'm not going to defend him. He's not a three and D guy this year. He's literally all D and a decisive offensive player. He's no three guy anymore. He's still useful because a, the threat of the shot is still has the tiniest bit of value, even if it's not going in and b the decisiveness makes him effective on offense. So because he's useful on offense and he can move around and his screens are better, right? All that stuff. 
the offense is good and his defense is so incredible. And I think a factor two here is they're, they're playing a four who's more equipped to be a four <laughs> in Bjorkren's system because like Sabonis cannot do what he's doing on defense for as long as he does. He can't chase guys around. He's not a floor spacer at all. And like, he's amazing. You know, he's still obviously the, the through point for everything they do on offense, but they get just better fits, you know, with, with, unless it's Lamb at the four, those lineups have been awful. But, you know, if they're getting McDermott holiday as your fours or, uh, whoever it may be, Sumner's recently been getting one of the forward spots due to injuries, uh, stuff like that. That's all working really well with Turner. So I think they have to try to find a way to get those numbers up. It's like seven minutes a game, like six over the last couple of weeks, maybe up to like eight or nine, maybe even 10. I mean, that's a lot. Then you're not playing some bonus, maybe enough. But four minutes, I guess if he's at 32, that's probably fine. So, yeah, maybe even up to 10 minutes a game of that, I think would go a long way because those lineups can – go on a run. And that's something I think the Pacers have struggled with of late is they don't like the start of the Celtics game with standing. They have not gone on a really long sustained run of just like kick your ass on the other team. And I think the Turner solo center lineups are their best shot of that. Yeah. I, I, I think the other problem here is you go back to the idea is you need one center. Basically, you don't need both. The problem is there's not really a better alternative than playing Sabonis Turner together at times. Yep. For now. <laughs> yeah, for now. I mean, and also not about Turner, like, out there, right? There's nobody, no player you can get that's actually providing the same level of output defensively or offensively for either one of those players if you were to trade them, like, today. So you have to kind of keep rolling with it. But I, if Turner needs to be in these games the last eight minutes. I mean, I, I get what they're doing now. So he starts the fourth quarter most of the time. Then he usually sits around the eight-minute mark, comes back maybe at the four or three, but then it takes him longer than that. I, at some point, they need to figure out, do you just start Goga in the fourth quarter a little bit and then put Turner in and bonus the last 10? Because while separately there is some you know benefits here there, they both provide enough of a skill set on each side of the floor that it helps kind of boost the rest of the team up. And they need those yeah. last 10 minutes because, I mean, we may talk about this in the next time, but like their clutch play is like miserable. I mean, that's they're losing these games because they cannot finish. And part of that is either because they can't score because – uh, they're taking too many threes and kind of like settling or because they can't defend the other team. So like, and it's sometimes it's both at times. And that's where both getting, in the last two, in the last two days. We've and seen. that's where they're getting beat. Right. I mean, it's part of it too with Turner, right. Is, is you bring him in with four minutes left and it's not saying he's bringing cold, but he's not in any flow of the offense yet. Right. It, Turner has this ability where he offensively, he kind of has to be in rhythm to be going. He doesn't, he's not a great, like pull him off the bench and let him just go shoot right away kind of player. Um, And so like, I don't know. It, it, the, the lineup, like I get what they're trying to do, but keeping one center on at all times and kind of trying to stagger that correctly and whatnot. But in the fourth quarter, I, I do wonder if it's maybe better just to go both guys all ten minutes because or last ten to eight ten minutes because there's it's not working right now. You're not getting enough out of the first three to to benefit the last nine. Of the right, right. I get going for the rest so they can be sustained, but you know, and especially with Brogdon out, you just need the most talented guys you can get on the floor, right? And they they were really low on options against the. The, the Knicks, I don't want to harp on that individual game too much, but yeah, finding a way to change your lineups up in a, in a more productive way, I think. No, I mean, the the worst game this week are the two worst, I guess. I mean, are the Warriors themselves because you played two teams who were on a back to back. You guys had, they had six days rest. So between the last game and the Warriors game, uh, and they were winning in the fourth quarter of both. Yeah, they're winning in the fourth quarter. These are games where you should be able to have the advantage because of energy, because you guys are not playing on a back to back and you should just have the little extra boost and the Warriors game I did this on Thursday podcast I mean they were just clunking threes all night and they continued to shoot the three late in the game when it wasn't falling anyways so they didn't go anywhere else and then the Celtics game they basically got beat because they screwed up the Tice I mean I guess you want to touch that three but like if Tice doesn't make that three they might win that Celtics game but it's just yeah it's it's these end of game sequences that are over and over again it's like watching the same thing happen over and over again and so far there hasn't been any like let's try this differently now it's like just keep running the same thing and hope it works next time yeah, the, the, the shot selection certainly a problem late in games. Uh, let's do the other lineup thing that I'm probably a little more – maybe not. Maybe this isn't true. I'm probably a little more passionate about this than you, um, but I think a lot of fans are are catching up to the, the thought here. I think Edmund Sumner should play, like, in the rotation for this team. Um, the, the Pacers got a nice gift. A gift is the wrong word, but, you know, Lamb getting hurt in the fourth quarter of the Knicks game and Brogdon being out meant they had to play Sumner a lot. And lo and behold, things went good because he's a good player, and I've been harping on that all year. They basically have an even net rating when he plays this season. Um, they do have an even net rating when he plays. The defense is ridiculous, 108 defensive rating when he's out there. He's shooting okay. He is so quick in transition. He provides good defense and energy. Uh, and 
the guys he's replacing or the, the, the guys I am suggesting he should play. I don't think they should necessarily totally yank either Lamb or Aaron Holiday from their rotation. You can make an argument that they should totally yank either of those Aaron guys. Aaron Holiday's playing better of late, I think. Aaron Holiday is playing better. We'll talk yeah. about Lamb next segment. We'll get to him, but Okay. Uh, I don't. I don't necessarily say you should totally yank either of those guys, but but I might be willing to siphon off minutes from both of them to get Sumner time because Lamb's defense uh, makes him such a negative, and and Holiday is recovering to a point where he has been very playable recently. So maybe yeah, I mean, double the points in three of the last seven games. That's yeah, but before that, when he was missing a lot, same deal where he's giving you good defense and not good offense, where they were both pretty high negative guys in a way that Sumner's not. I, I think you should play Sumner instead, and we we saw him provide helpful moments against the Celtics. We saw him, not the Warriors this week, but the first time they played the Warriors when he was boxing one defending Steph Curry. We've seen him be that level of utility player. He was amazing in the fourth quarter against the Knicks. Like, he got them into that game. He tied the game up with two dunks. He was playing amazing defense. Reggie Bullock was in jail half the game. Like, I just think he should play more. I think that he provides something they don't have a lot, which is sometimes when they they just get stale. Like, they, they have two turnovers in a row, and then they're just – they just get in their own heads and they're stale. And Sumner is never stale. That dude's always running and jumping and in someone's face. And it's like it's like what everybody says the Lance effect is. So I think that Sumner should play more. He's their best young prospect right now. I mean, I, he I, is. I mean between Aaron Aaron Holiday, Goga, and him, Goga, maybe. I mean, Goga I, could pass him pretty easily. Goga pass him. But like yeah. what you see out of Sumner is a guy who athletically is there with some of the best players in the league. I mean, he. He's got the long arms. He's got the ability to jump higher than most guys, even with those, you know, two ACLs, right? Two ACL tears. Yep. Right. I mean, he, dunk, and, he jumped over someone to dunk. I'll yeah. I mean, he's got athletically and defensively <laughs> while he's getting called for fouls. He, to me, defensively looks like he's getting better each time he, he's out there and he's yep. putting him on the best player. He, he was guarding Derek Rose last night for a lot of the game at the end. Um, he's yep. guarding Steph the other night, right? Against the Warriors. I mean, he is, he's being put onto like guard the best player, have fun with it kind of, or best guard at least have try to figure it out kind of thing. He um, shot over 70% at the rim two seasons in a row. Like, he is just electric. He's got such a unique skill set where a lot of the unique skills are really practical, right? It's not just, like, random wiry stuff. Um, no, it, it, and it feels like if he can get enough minutes to kind of build the reps up, he can also get a package together where his game is, like, yeah. borderline, you know, bench playing, maybe even close to, like, like that, like a, a quality bench player, if not more even, just because he is so... I mean, I can't overstate this. He's so goddamn athletic. I mean, yep. he just did. And it's like, you just don't see him anybody else in the Pacers. I mean, maybe Cassius Stanley. We haven't watched him play. He's apparently the other guy kind of athleticism. But Sumner, he like can fly in a way that very few guys can. He's not quite as like disciplined when it comes to shooting. And like, as some like, you know, Aaron Holliday is, who's very just like very rheumatic and kind of make his threes really well. Um, but uh, I mean, I, I agree with you. Sumner's got to play more because he's like their, he's their best at developing a young prospect. And it feels like that they should just play that guy more to let him keep growing. The Cassius comp is funny because, you know, the thing with Cassius is he's got the athleticism now and they need to develop any of the floor game. Sumner has floor game, like now, like right now. So, again, I don't know. Like, it's the same deal with the Turner stuff, right? That one's a little more obvious to me where you just lower Sabonis' minutes a little bit, mostly because Sabonis' minutes have just been too high in general. But um, it's less obvious with Sumner how you get him the time. Lamb, it's Lamb. I mean, Lamb is playing. It's probably Lamb. It's probably Lamb. I but- mean, yeah, Lamb Lance has been still play his offense micro scoring against second units is is ridiculous. But we'll talk about him in the next segment. He has some major flaws right now. Lamb has to score probably. I don't know if he has to go like five or seven each night to be worth playing because his defense <laughs> is so bad. You know what? We're gonna, that's in our next segment. So let's just, let's just get to that. Um, yeah, we're gonna talk about some uh, some of the reasons the Pacers have been struggling beyond this lineup stuff that we just talked about. Uh, we've got some some players to highlight. So let's take a little break and talk about that. But first two people we want to hear from first up is headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy to use app. Wouldn't it be great if there are a pocket size guide that helps you sleep and focus and act better. There is. And if you have 10 minutes, headspace can change your life. Whatever the situation, headspace can help you feel better. Overwhelmed. They have three minute SOS meditation for you. Need help falling asleep. They have wind down sessions. And for parents, they have meditations you can do with your kids. Their approach to mindfulness can reduce reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and 60 million downloads. It makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation 
practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. They can help you out. Go to headspace.com slash MBA, all one word. That's headspace.com slash MBA. You'll get a free one-month trial with access to their full library of meditations for every situation. Best deal offered for Headspace right now. Go to headspace.com slash MBA today. And let's also hear from our great people over at betonline.ag, the official betting sponsor of the Lockdown Podcast Network, and the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Uh, you can bet on the Pacers making the playoffs if you want because – that is not necessarily looking so hot at the moment. Uh, NBA has they, you know, they have lines for every game, college basketball, NHL in full swing. They have award shows, TV shows, reality TV all there. You can bet on all that. Real-time updated odds and props on literally anything you can imagine. They have you covered for new scores and odds. Great way to place your bets. It's free to sign up. Head on over to that website, betonline.ag. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKDOWN, all one word, when you do so. That's locked on at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right. So you just brought up the Lamb stuff, and it, it's bad. Like, like Jeremy Lamb, to his credit, has re- responded so well from his injury offensively, like in a way that I did not expect from him because he, he has a lot of bursts and he, he rises up for these elbow jumpers all the time in the past. So I kind of thought he would be a really negative player because he would still be bad on defense and and – bad on offense. He's been good on offense. He's still hitting 48% from three, 50% from two, 94% from the free throw line. And yet, and yet, when he's in the game, the Pacers have been outscored by 32 points in 450 minutes, and their defensive rating with Lamb on the court is 117.1. So even with him shooting a ridiculous percentage, their offensive rating is less than 117.1. I can't type fast enough to get the exact number in front of you. So a big factor in the Pacers' struggles of late, I think, is that as his shot tapered off is not the right word. He's still hitting a a pretty high level of his shots. But as his shot kind of levels out a little more, the the level of bad his defense is, especially in these lines where he's playing the four, which just makes no sense. No sense at all. Uh, They just get killed. They just totally get killed in those minutes, and it's really sinking the team. They finally went away from it against the Knicks, but um, they, they still didn't have enough that game. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if you took a defensive rating, it'd be like you know, as a team, it'd be like bottom five in the league. <laughs> like, I think I think the worst one is like 120. Yeah, the Kings are worse, and then it'd be him. This is still have a minus. So, despite him being 50, 40, 90, like handily 50, 40, 90, he is still like a minus. Like they're minus four poor hundred I mean, possessions. I, <laughs> he can't stay in front of anybody, anybody. Yeah, I would challenge someone. Listen to this podcast when you watch games, and maybe you know it's ready, maybe. Like when you watch Lamb on the defender, just count how long it takes for him to lose the defender. Essentially, like just watch. Literally, he can't stay in front of anybody, or like he can't. Like every guy beats him basically almost every time. <laughs> He's been like tr- trying harder recently, I think, but it doesn't get him anywhere. You know what I mean? Like the way he tries to defend is like he kind of corrals the guy to the side, and then once the guy's level with him, he goes for that reach and steal, and he, he maybe gets one of those a game, sure, but he the other. 20 times he tries it, he just gets beat off the dribble. Yeah. The thing I, I'm wondering is what the coaching is, is saying, because it clearly has to be telling him, like, how to – because the Pacers are, like, notoriously right. good at, like, turning – They're not of, dumb. They, they see it in the film sessions, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I think T.J. Warren's a great example where he couldn't keep a guy in front of him when he's in Phoenix, but right. now he can. He's very good at it. Now, different kind of at- athlete, different body type, whatever you want to say, but, like, there has to be some tricks to keeping guys in front of you, like, whether it's just, like, drawing off, like, the fouls more, using your body, and maybe he doesn't want it – he was kind of because of the knee injury and that, that I kind of get, but yeah, I mean, if we're talking about minute change, I mean, I would reduce his minutes slightly and give Sumner more because Sumner can at least get in front of him and Sumner has the chance, maybe not to be the same offensive player as Lamb, but you know, occasionally has that burst and athletes where he can kind of get close to Lamb's offensive running at times. Um, plus he's, it seemed like Sumner has a better chemistry with Aaron Holiday and Goga because uh, they probably play a lot together because they're kind of all like on like the third or the third unit, let's say last year somewhat. So yeah, I mean, I, I, that's where I look for minutes versus Lamb, just because he, like I said, he's such a negative player. We always joke about, like, if you could fuse Miles Turner and Sabonis into one player, like how much that would help Nikola the Pacers. Jokic, no, not maybe Embiid. I, I want to fuse Sumner and Lamb. <laughs> like, that would be an awesome player. I think that would be really helpful. Right? If you I, that Turner guy could do Sab- everything. If you fuse Turner and Sabonis, you would end up with Embiid, right? Ba- basically, yeah. Right? A guy who could rim protect, <laughs> shoot threes. Post you up, step back. You'd actually be a little shy of Embiid, I think. 
I get, yeah, I mean, is, Embi- but you'd be Embi- right there. Yeah, I mean, Embiid is like, you know, Embiid's going to win MVP at this point. Yeah, he's borderline Shaq this year. I mean, he's that's how he's going to do this. So with Lamb and the defense, so of the guys in the Pacers rotation, only two guys have an on-off. Oh, this is basketball references, net rating, so it is estimated, but they have it all in one place, so it's easier for me. Only two guys have an on-off net rating of worse than minus two. Um, 12 guys are better than that, which basically means the team is like not appreciably better or worse than them. And they're one Sabonis, and we've talked about that. Uh, literally go back to last Tuesday's show. We did a whole segment on that. The other one is Lamb. Uh, they are 4.5 points per 100 possessions better when he is out of the game than when he's in the game. Like sometimes it's that simple where you got it. You either got to get him to commit to, to, to sliding his feet and staying in front of guys instead of doing the reaching shit, or you got to play Sumner and like a lot more instead because. It's not working. It's not working. And they find again, they finally last game. And some of this was the absence of Brogdon. They had to change, shift the rotation, but they went to Samson at the four. So they never had Lamb at the four. It was, and they played Goga. So they had either a combo of two centers or a center in Jakar in the, in the paint. And that was a lot better, right? Their defense was not as bad against the Knicks as it was against the Celtics and Warriors, but they lost all the games. So they, they need to figure something out. And I think getting Lamb out of the game a little more often might help. Yeah, can I can I throw some clutch stats at you real fast? We're gonna do clutch play next anyway, so yes, it's time. Um, so I, I did this on. We're killing the transitions today, Adam. Bro. Well, I actually have you wrote, wrote down the show, so I'm I'm kind of following. Them. <laughs> um, Good job. So I did this on Thursday after the Warriors game, but so the I, and it's updated a little bit. Only gotten worse basically. So the Pacers are the worst rebounding team and rebound percentage in the clutch. So they're the worst rebounding wow. team in the clutch. Uh, Doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, no, that's probably they're slightly they're they're close. The Raptors and Clippers are close, both of them all at 44% rebounding percentage. Um, they have the third worst offensive rating. Oh, sorry, fourth worst offensive rating. Um, at less than a hundred. They're one of four teams under a hundred And The clutch rating. are under a hundred. Wow. Yeah, and the clutch, and I believe they have the third highest turnover percentage. Yeah, they have a 16% turnover percentage. So basically Excellent. they don't rebound, they can't score, and they turn over the ball a bunch. The end of games, and that's how you lose. That's how you lose. That, that seems like a losing recipe. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I wish I could. I, I mean, even, that they don't have the three point percentage, but I bet their three point percentage is one of the worst. Even despite all that, this weekend they had two wide open corner threes to tie the game in the last minutes, and they missed both of them. And they had a chance to take the lead against the Knicks with about ten seconds left, and TJ McConnell turned his head because he kind of switched up the play a little bit. It's kind of hard to explain. He explained it in the media session, but. There was kind of like a back cut read available, and and Sabonis thought the back cut read was open, and McConnell didn't. So McConnell turned his head and ran the other way right when Sabonis passed it. You all saw it. Um, they, and, they, they, and then Daniel Tyson made three, killed him. On a, yep, yep. They lost I mean, it. That, that, that's the right play. I mean, get the ball on the worst three-point shooter on the team, yeah. but, I mean, still it sucked. So, so here's my clutch stat. I tweeted this earlier, and that's why I wanted to talk about this a little bit. The the Pacers just went 4-8 in February. That's awful, right? Like, no disputing that. Okay, they played 12 games. And two of those games, I'm gonna throw out the window. The Nets, the Nets just just destroyed the Pacers. Like what? Yeah. What the hell was that? And the Bucks did the same thing. The Bucks just murdered the Pacers. The other ten games, they were either tied or winning at some point in the second half of every single one of those games. And they went four and six in those games. So they just could not, for the life of them, finish games. Their their February, just they they couldn't put it together. And a lot of the stats you just mentioned are factor there. So I wanted to check, okay, what, what's really going on here? I sorted every NBA team by net rating in the third quarter in the month of February. Pacers were minus 12.7 net rating in the third quarter in the month of February. So whatever they're doing in the third quarter, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Maybe it's some halftime adjustments thing because they look awesome at the start of games, right? The same lineup looks amazing. Like all weekend at the start of games, just brutal. And I, a lot of turnovers, uh, is a factor there. Like you said, they're shooting the ball much, much more poorly in the third quarter. They need to put up better third quarter stats because it's killer. Um, and then I, I want to tell you about their second half net rating, but remember the thing about those Nets and Bucks games is they kicked the Nets and Bucks ass in the fourth quarter because they stopped trying. So they're actually, they have okay second half net ratings, but um, yeah, they just, they've been, they've been really sloppy when these games get close and matter and they kind of, like like McConnell and McD- or I think it was McDermott after the Knicks game said like they get like one or two turnovers and then instead of just like refocusing like the, like in the past they've been a lot better at this where they just settle down get back into their shit this year they just like it's like they forget how to play together when they just they have one or two bad possessions in a row so I think that's a big factor too is they just can't hold on to these games in the second half yeah the Pacers lead the league in most clutch minutes played 
like wow. and a close game minutes played 94 uh they've been awful they've, in it. <laughs> 20 games 20 of how many games are we at 30 32 32 32 there we go, so 20 of their 32 have been in clutch situations they're 8 and 12 in those they're right there in so many games and the players keep saying that and like at, at some point it doesn't matter like you can be there all you want if you don't win you don't win also i'd like to apologize the amount of times i've cussed in the show anyway but they've got to be better they just have to be better in the clutch Last thing before we preview. Well, hold on, hold on. Do you want? I I think there's an elephant in the room we're not mentioning with clutch play. Do you want me to say it real fast? Uh, can you guess what it is? No, I don't know what it is. Who is the best clutch player the Patriots have had the last? Oh, five, hey, years? well, Brogdon was amazing early this season, but yeah, Vic's gone. It's a big. I mean, I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying that was like. I I get the trade. Everything. I'm just saying the best clutch player they've had probably. I mean, Pollard wasn't even that good in the clutch. Frankly, probably the best player they've had in you know since like Reggie Miller. Uh, at least in terms of stats wise was traded away at the year. And that's yeah, no, I, I get a little bit of it. Oh. And another thing is like, like, look, I don't want to bash Bjorkren because he's a smart coach, but like we, we killed McMillan for running the same place in the clutch over and over. Bjorkren's doing that this year. Like I, the baseline out of bounds, play they're going to go to is that screen, the screener thing, where they try to get it to McDermott in the corner and from the sideline out of bounds after they call a timeout with under minutes to go, they're going to start with Sabonis at the elbow and see if they, can. yeah, but the thing is too, Sabonis got a lot of clean looks. There are a lot of good they, looks. Uh, the tie win game is missing. You're right. They're working. So, but they're predictable, looks. and we killed them for that last year. So I want to. Yeah, keep. but like the Sabonis thing, like I would like to keep the same energy. <laughs> if you gave Sabonis this clutch stats, he'd be like they would. They probably would have won. I don't know seven more games. I mean, that, I mean, that's Sabonis just like doesn't quite have a clutch play yet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last thing. This will take two seconds. Um, we you talked a little maybe since then. I don't know what day it was. It was Friday. Kevin Durant uh, has a hamstring injury that will keep him out through the All-Star break. The East named a replacement Friday. Savonis so is an All-Star. Can you believe it? Uh, I was pretty surprised he got chosen. I still think Bam had a better case than him, although I still think both of them should have made it over Randall. But uh, DeMontis Savonis is an All-Star. He will play in the All-Star game uh, this coming Sunday. Can you believe it? It's super close already. Uh, down in Atlanta as part of the part of the game. So congrats to him. It's pretty funny because part of his case uh, amongst the East was the Pacers are in fourth. And by the, when they selected the replacement, the Pacers were in fourth and now they're in ninth. So um, they, the Pacers timing got kind of lucky there. Uh, but Sabonis rewarded for playing extremely well individually this season. He will now be an all-star for the second year in a row. And my favorite thing to say as a part of this, Kevin Pritchard got two multi-time all-stars in the trade for Paul George. Impressive stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to the only it. guy to ever, ever to win a trade with Presti, probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, no one lost that trade. It's a win-win. The Thunder yeah, did a I mean, great that, job. That Paul George turned into like 30,000 things. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think um, everyone's happy with how that turned out. Yeah. I mean, I guess hard stats, why it turns a little better. I mean, not Turner, sorry. Sabonis is a little better than Bam. That's probably the reason he got it. I mean, defensively, yeah. Bam's the Heat better are better than, have a better record than the Pacers now. Like two but days. Not on Friday. They didn't. So much. Yeah, not I know. Friday. <laughs> um, Those two days changed. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you take Vucevic, Randall, Sabonis, and bam, any two of those four, you wouldn't be wrong. I know you think Vooch is a little bit better than all than the uh, the last three. I'd have Vooch first in that group personally. I know, I know, but I'm saying any two of those four, you couldn't go wrong. I, I feel that. I feel okay with that. Honestly, Middleton should be in that group too, but I he's really struggled the last two weeks. Whatever. So, kind of lucky, fortunate timing for the Pacers, and Adam Silver steps up. But Sabonis, All Star again, very cool. We'll break down his All Star stuff come Monday. I think that what the league is trying to do is um, mostly have the guys who do like the shooting three-point shooting contest and dunk contest and skills challenge and all that, which why are they doing that anyway? But uh, having an guy, all-star game in the first place. Guys who are playing. Yeah. Why are they having an all-star game? But I think they want the guys who do that stuff to be guys who are playing in the game. So Sabonis, since he did it last year, I'm guessing he will be in the skills contest again. I, that, that's just a total guess, but um, <laughs> that's certainly possible. So we'll have lots to talk about with Sabonis in the all-star game. Does he deserve it? That's up for you to decide. I think there's a decent case for and against him at this point. Anywho, Patriots play games this week. We got to talk about them. They're pretty important for the rest of the season, like outlook and morale of the team. This is a randomly very important mid, mid-March week for the Pacers. So let's talk about that one quick break so I can talk about Built Bar because Built Bar is making the best tasting protein bars ever. They have 18 plus amazing flavors. They just sent us these crunchy peanut butter chocolate ones that are new. They're, they're like a crunchy version of the peanut butter chocolate. They're so good. Uh, but what makes Bill Bar so good, besides that they're delicious and 100% covered in chocolate, is they are great for the health-conscious guy. They're good for losing and maintaining weight. They're delicious. Low calorie, low sugar, but high protein and high fiber. Soft and easy to chew. You just got to check them out. If you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKDOWN20. There's a new promo code. LOCKDOWN20 is in there. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKDOWN20, all one word, for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. 
Okay, so again, no week in March in the middle of the season can ever be like truly important. Pacers haven't even played half their games yet. Blah blah blah. They, the morale of the team hanging in the balance, though. I mean, I don't think they're going to lose each other or anything like that. But you know, if the if the Pacers who have really playoff aspirations, they go on three this week and they're five games under five hundred. You know, you'll, you'll hear the chatter of what the hell's going on with this team. Two tough opponents. They play Philadelphia and Denver with Cleveland sandwiched in the middle. Uh, so Monday night is the first up uh, with the 76ers. Let's start there. They played earlier this season, but Embiid did not play, so hard to use that game for any sort of barometer. Sixers are awesome. Uh, they're first in the East. Uh, they are fifth in defense because they have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. They are 14th in offense, so eighth in the league in net rating. They've outperformed their point differential by two wins. And the thing that makes them so good is, like I just said, or like you kind of said earlier, they might have the MVP and Joel Embiid this year. Yeah, real quick, what's what's the what's the latest on Brogdon for this week? We don't really have a ton of new info. Um, he has knee soreness, Bjorkman said, because he banged knees actually twice during the Celtics game. Once with Jalen Brown, and I forget who the other one was with. Bjorkman did tell us before the game. He tested it out before the Knicks game. There's video of him, like, you know, moving around on the court yeah. uh, that was played on the MSG broadcast. He looked okay, but, you know, obviously it's a pain management thing, not how he looks and moves, so... The fact that he was a game-time decision is probably favorable for his short-term outlook, but I understand with a break coming up, maybe being conservative with that kind of stuff. So I would say there's a, at least a chance he plays in this game. We're recording this at 2 p.m. on, on Sunday, and the injury report will come out at 5.30. So we'll find out more later today. But I would say there's probably a chance that he plays in any of the games this week. As for Lamb, same deal with this week. He, he checked himself out of the game against the Knicks with knee soreness in the same knee he had surgery on, by the way. So that's a little scary. Yeah. Um, and he had to take his brace off and went to the locker room. So another guy who could be um, missing time this week. We'll see. <laughs> that could, going back to what we said earlier, be a blessing in disguise. Let's talk Sixers, though. If Brogdon doesn't play, obviously, like you're saying, could be a big factor. But they're really damn good. Yeah. I don't think there's any other butcher possibility besides Embiid. Because they're not really? playing on a back-to-back. So Embiid probably – I mean <laughs> – Okay, I guess you could go <laughs> Tobias Harris, but I mean, unless, unless you want to go like defensively, but like in terms of uh, guy he might not play, he's hurt. Okay, so a guy who might score forty will probably put up a double double and have let's say thirty eight and fifteen like he does there against Pacers. Um, it's Embiid, and he is uh, MVP level. I mean, he's fifty, he's fifty two percent from the field, forty one and a half from three, and eighty six from the line. He's almost fifty four ninety as a effing center. <laughs> I mean, it's, he's amazing right now this year. He is. Um, Ben Simmons had four steals, two blocks, seven assists, six rebounds, and 21 points and led the comeback of the Pacers probably worst loss of the season, the Philly game where Embiid did not play. I think that's butcher material. Um, fair, <laughs> enough. fair enough. That's fair. That's fair. He can do F and everything that dude can defend. Like whatever player Ben Simmons is guarding shut down, like boop, they're doing nothing all game. So he's that level of defender. You're right. That Embiid is such an obvious butcher choice. He, is my MVP pick right now. I think uh, he's amazing. And the Sixers have shooting, like we've talked about them before when they played earlier this season, they have shooting now with, with green and Curry and Shake Milton can shoot a little bit and cork can shoot. And Tobias Harris is hitting a bunch of threes. Like they have shooters now around their stars, which has changed the, the uh, evolution of this team. They didn't ever have shooting and their bench was always weak, but now they have an okay bench and Dwight Howard's giving them okay backup center minutes. And Tobias Harris is finally playing like the guy they paid a hundred bajillion dollars too. So uh, yeah, they, they have very few holes. They're very hard to beat. We, you know, the Pacers were beating them handily without a beat. And then we saw how good they can be. Like Matisse Thibel of all players, like their eighth or ninth guy just stepped up and just uh, eviscerated the Pacers, right? Like that's how good this team can be. They have anyone who can, can kill you. Like Seth Curry can kill you. If Danny Green hits his open threes, he can kill you. Same with Cork Moss. So they're really tough to beat. Uh, and Simmons and MB both can be a butcher. Who's your X factor here? Not to Miles Turner. This is the game where if Turner wants to be defensive player of the year, can he stop Embiid at all? Maybe not not stop him, maybe right word, but slow him down. If Embiid can go only puts up, let's say, 24 points and has 12 rebounds and maybe is like 8 of 20. What's it take? Well, how much does that per game? 18 right now? He's at 18. So let's say he's 8 of 18. That's a win. Yep. Uh, and that's what Turner has to do. I mean, Turner has to just slow down Embiid enough where they can stay in the game. Um, Pacers are really good doing that with guards, right? They, they're... They've been really good this year at slowing down another team, the top guard, and keeping them in the game. You saw it against Steph Curry on on Wednesday night, where Steph was just not his you know usual thirty point a game self. Um, but we obviously there's not a lot of great centers that can beat us. So we haven't seen it 
yet, and they'll play another great center later this week in Jokic, so another chance. But this is the kind of game where Turner, who is top two or probably top two in the defensive player of the year right now between him and Gobert, especially with Davis being hurt, um, it's probably those those two. If he slows down Embiid and is able to win this game for the Pacers because of his defense, that's how you kind of notch one more, you know, thing in his belt towards that award. If he can, you know, he's the guy that slowed down Embiid. That's that's a way to kind of uh, separate himself. But I'm not optimistic it can happen, but I think that's, to me, the biggest expert because usually Embiid destroys Turner. What's yours? Every time, not even usually. Yeah, Turner said that himself earlier this season, right? He said, if I'm going to be the defensive player I want to be or I think that I am, I have to do better. So we'll see if that actually happens. That's a good question. Who is mine? I think the bench needs to be really good in this game. And I think we need to discuss that on a future show as an underrated factor in the Pacers not being as good this year as last year. Is their bench just pummeled everyone last year? Well, it's because their bench is starting games. <laughs> you have a valid point. They have, we're missing three starters against the Knicks. Um, I think this is yeah, their three best bench boys are starting. I mean, that's why you don't have a bench. Sorry. Like the, the Pacers slaughtered the Sixers for three quarters when they played earlier this season. And then in the fourth, Corkmas started hitting threes and Thibault was just destroying the Pacers at the top of that zone. And Dwight Howard got his dunks on the lobs, right? Those bench guys stepped up. The whole dynamic of the game changed and, and the, the Sixers were able to come back. And, and th- that might have been a turning point for the Pacers season, honestly. But um, and, and take it. So the, the bench for me is a big one. I mean, whatever skeleton crew they are able to play. Like if Brogdon and Lamb both can't play, we're looking at a bench of like Sumner, Aaron Holiday and Jakar, like it's 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 not it's not a deep group. Uh, if those guys can't play, Keelan Martin might honestly hit the rotation if that happens. Those guys have to play well. They have to match or exceed those minutes because the Pacers are not going to win against the Embiid Simmons lineups. They're just not. So they have to uh, they have to score well when one or both of them are off the floor. And I think that makes this a key bench game. Uh, but I think we're both going to pick the Sixers to win. Yeah, uh, <laughs> if the Pacers win, I will be very happy and definitely surprised. Um, I don't Stunned. expect. So. Yeah, I mean, if that, that that's a turning point, if they can win this game, it's a turning point. But it would be funny. I, I'm 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 envisioning a random s- scenario. This is way stupid, but there's gonna be like our our post mortem on this team will be like, okay, our first stretch of the season was pre the first Sixers game, and then a stretch between the Sixers games, and then Sixers game and onward because it could be another turning point if they're. Able to I think I think we're we're gonna do pre. Karis injury yeah, post. You're absolutely right. Injury. You're absolutely right. And it's probably that it's like pre that trade. And then when it came back, I might change the dynamics, but that's just me. I am envisioning a funny scenario. All right. Wednesday, two days after that, they play the Cavs. The Cavs they beat by 20 earlier this season. That first game after TJ Warren was announced. He had surgery. So I wanted to come in and go, wow, the Cavs have been really struggling recently. I think they lost uh, 10 in a row, 11 in a row in February. And I, you know, I was like, okay, good time for the pitch to play them. And now the Cavs have won three in a row. Uh, they have magically found their groove. So they beat Philly on Saturday. Yes, they sure did. They beat the, the Philadelphia 76ers in overtime. Uh, the, the two, their other two wins, Atlanta, not a great team right now in Houston, who's lost also like 10 in a row. So not the, the Philly win was very impressive to their credit. Uh, they are 29th in offense, 22nd in defense. Their defense was really propelling them early in the year when they were, were banking some wins. But they're, uh, so they're, they're the worst team in the league in that rating. They're dead last in that rating. Yep, their their offense has been just horrible, and none of their defense is – They're four games above their expected win percentage. That's that's pretty solid. Their luck on defense for, the, for their first couple weeks of the season – I mean, they were like 6-6, six and six, I think, at the, at, in mid-January, or 6-7 and seven or something. Their defense had been ridiculously good. And then Larry Nance got hurt, and they've just been like <laughs> destroyed since then. The key was so key for their defense, and something good for the Pacers. I mean, obviously the Cavs are probably not as good as their record, and you know, three wins in a row does not reflect how good they are. But Drummond doesn't play; like they just totally benched him uh, because they're trying to trade him. And Kevin Love's hurt, and Larry Nance is hurt. So Jared Allen's amazing. Like Jared Allen's going to kick some ass in the front court, but uh, Andre Drummond always does that anyway. So. <laughs> They'll probably get lesser uh, destroyed by the front court that they would if if Drummond was playing. How many games has Kevin Love actually played during his extension? <laughs> <laughs> That's a wondering. great question. Not very many, is the answer. right? He he is the biggest beneficiary of being kind of like the third wheel of LeBron. They just kept paying him a bunch of money, and he only made like two hundred million dollars from the when Cavs. Did his, when did his current extension start? Do you remember last, well, last year? Season, okay. Last year, I think he's in second year of it. So since um, since he signed that four for one twenty extension, uh, yeah, Kevin Love has played in fifty eight games. So the butcher probably for this team, you can pick probably one of two guys. Um, but Colin Sexton, Three, but two, yeah, yeah, it's Sexton or Garland at this point, maybe Jared oh, Allen. No, okay, yeah, mine was Allen, mine's Jared Allen. Yeah, well, I was saying Sexton, Garland, or Jared Allen. Probably you're right. Three. Um, Sexton is the paying off of that trade 
that Kyrie trade. I mean, he's yep. been really good this year. He has gone to kind of a, I would say kind of that next level. He is he in the running for most improved player of the year? I mean, am I? Yeah, he's got to be up there. He's right, there. But maybe he was too good last year to count. I don't know. Uh, that's also part of it, but he's really good. Um, when they played last, I think he had 28 points or something. Let me look at the box score from last game. He's very but, good. Um, I picked the butcher first. So do you want to pick somebody else besides Sexton this, or can I go with this him? This is a mean thing to say. Like, this is going to sound meaner than I intended to, but this is supposed to be a compliment. Sexton in his third year was probably the worst player in the All Star discussion this year. Like, he was good enough to be in that group where you'd say, okay, we got to talk about Sexton. You know, Caesar, like, yeah, he, he's obviously on the outside looking in of all those discussions, but he got that. He was that good. Yeah, he's getting up there. That, that, that's yeah, a big deal. Yeah, you've got to think next year he, he's going to be, you know, an outside favorite because he can, him and Garland both can hit threes off the dribble, which is crazy good for this team. They're both above league average shooting fourth or more threes a game off the dribble. Very impressive. Garland can really pass, but I'm picking either of them. <laughs> yeah, you're going Allen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going Jared Allen. Jared Allen's been ridiculous. Uh, against Houston the other night, he had 26 and 18. Uh, he had 13 and 14 against Atlanta. This dude, since the trade, is just insane on the glass. Like this dude just just swallows rebounds. It's, it's like a hungry, hungry hippo on the glass. Uh, in the month of February, uh, so since he's basically since they benched Drummond and he gets a ton of minutes, he is averaging 11 rebounds and 16 points a game and shooting 65%. So this dude's just a machine. Uh, he's so good. Uh, I even even though Turner and Simone's probably both better than him in general, his skills in particular are, are the kind of guys that that kill Turner. So, yeah, I, I think I think he could very easily be the butcher if the Pacers can't get him under control. Not that the guards aren't amazing, and you can pick either one of them, but I, I would worry about Jared Allen a lot. Yeah, this is a really good young team. I mean, they got a lot of young talent. Yeah, that's, that's they did awesome in the in the in the uh, the James Harden deal to get in the way they did. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to use my bench card in this game. Um, okay. Fair. So the last of the Pacers played uh, the Cavs, they beat them by 20, kind of ran them out of, off the court. That's not not all the take from it, obviously, because Vic played and somebody else was hurt. Oh, Lamb wasn't it, well, wasn't available yet, so there's not like a lot you can take from it. But um, the Pacers bench was a big reason they, they won that game. They had 18 points McDermott that time off the bench. Now, obviously, McDermott will be starting probably, but um, the 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 Cavs are, have really nice young talent up top, the three guys, but they're not very. They're have a lot of injuries. They're not playing some guys like Drummond and whatnot, so they're just not as deep. And so that's the the way to beat this team is to go after the Thon makers and the is Seti Ozman even playing? Is he hurt right now Any too? Hurt. But that's right. I'm like saying. half this team is hurt. That's why it's like hard to gauge their bench. So let's say one of Chetty Osman or Torian Prince is able to play by Wednesday. That would mean the Cavs bench is Dean Wade, Dylan Windler, Lamar Stevens, Damian Dotson, and Javale McGee. Like. All those guys are like guys you take your flyers on and, and you know, slap them on your bench and see what sticks when you're at the building stage the Cavs are on. Also, none of them are particularly awesome right now. So I agree with you that this could be a big bench game. If the Pacers are going to win a game this week, this is going to be the one. And yeah, I, they I, need this one. I was going to say, this sounds so extreme, but they, they kind of need they kind of need to win this game. No, I'm with you. This is like a must-win game. Just any breath of like, thank God we won a game before the All-Star break. Because they, there's a chance they go into this game on a four-game losing streak. And they've got Denver looming the next night. They go into the all-star break on a six-game losing streak. I mean, whoo. So 15 and 20 is a whole different ballgame than 16. They I'm picking them to beat the Cavs, and I think they need to beat the Cavs. It's it's yeah. so weird. Like, I never want to call a game a must-win this early in the season, and it's not a must-win. Like, I'm not a big fan of the phrase must-win anyway, but it it's it's very, close as you get to one. It what? Yeah. As close as you get to a must-win. I mean, it's close. close. Yeah. So, you know, maybe we're blowing a little too much smoke here about the Nuggets because they're only 18 and 15. However, we all know how amazing the Nuggets are. They are sixth in the NBA net rating, so I don't really buy their record being crap. The Nuggets are who the Pacers play Thursday. It's on a back-to-back. Um, it's only home game of the week. And maybe this isn't a pretty important game. You know, get get a good they, – they haven't had a good win over a good team in a while, you know. Yeah, the the one benefit going to pitch this game is it's the Nuggets kind of finishing up a road trip, I think, yep, uh, yep. right for the All-Star break. Maybe four nights as well. Yeah, maybe you're at home and you just, you know, every, you know, you're just thinking about the All-Star game and they're just ready to go. And so it's kind of like a yep. this, is, this is what the last of a three game, yeah, three game road trip. Four. Um, a four game, I'm sorry. Yeah. So maybe that's your benefit. Back to back's gonna be hard um for them. So uh, yeah, I guess we're back to back, but the Nuggets are on third and four nights. I mean, I guess both teams are on third and four nights, so never mind. That, anyway, focus on the Nuggets here. 20th in defense, Blick. Uh, fifth in offense, they just Jokic just a machine. So their their offense is so good compared to their defense that despite having a crappy defense, they're sixth in net rating. So their record notwithstanding, because they've had some brutal clutch latches. I mean, did did, any, did you see the ending to their game against uh, who was that? The Wizards last week, Adam. 
No, I didn't. They were down two and they got a steal with about four seconds left. And they had a three on one fast break and Gary Harris took it up and Michael Porter, instead of running to the rim, ran to the corner for a three and Campazzo ran to the wing for a three. So they just, both guys thought the other guy was going to run to the rim. So they had no, they, they would have had a wide open layup and they, and they oh, both man. ran to the corners and they missed the game winning three. Like that's it, bad coaching ish. Yeah. Okay. You, well, I can't believe neither guy ran to the rim, but very like a Porter junior. Who's like the most athletic player in the league. I know. Right now. I know. I, yeah. So they lost that game. They, that, that That's the kind of blunders they've been having. Late in games, but we don't have to do the butcher discussion here. This is the team I'll let you skip. But this, Murray, Jamal Murray's been playing insane in the month of February. I don't care, though. Jokic is the second best player in the league this year behind Embiid. 26.7. Wow, LeBron would maybe ask, you know, raise his hand there, but whatever. Uh, yeah, I think LeBron's like third or fourth, but I think his narrative is propelling his MVP. Yeah, I know. I'm messing with you. It's on-court play. Not that he's not been amazing. I don't want to be LeBron. Uh, Jokic, 27 points, 11 rebounds, nine assists per game. What the hell? Like, that's gross. That that He can do everything. He can shoot threes. He can make passes. He can dribble. He can flip the ball like a volleyball player to any spot. It's, it's insane. It's just gross how good he is. I don't know who the hell they're even going to put on him. Like, <laughs> who, who do they guard Jokic with? I have no idea. So the bonus, they, probably, because he's on the perimeter. I I guess. I I guess. But then, like. And then you you let him beat you in that Turner. They have no one at the basket. So what's Turner doing? Like You know what I mean? Like, it's just an impossible equation. Well, you kind of cheat with Turner, and I don't know. Maybe you put Turner on him. I guess. These are like some probably hope that Paul Millsap plays. Paul Millsap can kind of shoot, but he doesn't take that many threes. And then maybe they can just jam Turner on, or they can jam Sabonis on Millsap and not have him run around as much. And then they can maybe get something yeah, going. But... Put Turner on Jokic. So this is a chance for Turner once again to prove that he's you know yeah level. Uh, the Nuggets kind of you know they're fifth in the league in three point percentage, ninth in two point percentage. They get to the line of like enough, not a lot, but enough. They're pretty good at everything on offense. They're kind of lacking on the glass. Uh, I think that's probably, you know, Jokic gets 11 a game, but that's probably this team is a general's biggest criticism. The Pacers also suck on the glass, to be fair. But if the two center lineup is going to assert some dominance and size, this would be the game to do it. Maybe that's how you can beat the Nuggets if you're the Pacers, is limit them on the glass. But I mean, I, there's only so much I could talk about because. Murray's awesome, and he he's like a star at his best, but they are Jokic and a bunch of high-quality role players. And if you can slow down Jokic, you can win, and if you can't, you lose. Like, it's that easy. Yeah, my expectation would be Dimmick Dermott. He's been pretty stuffing with him in the past, and so that's their chance. Could be- he killed them last year. Killed them. a nice 25-point game. That'd be killed big. Them. Yeah, he was awesome against them last year for sure. McDermott's a good choice. I mean, and if, if – <laughs> I don't want to harp on the bench too much, but if they can get some second unit scoring going against the lesser a lesser bench, that'd be great. I don't know who my X factor is. That's pretty hard. Maybe I'll go with if Brogdon's healthy, Brogdon, if not McConnell, whoever's guarding Jamal Murray, because even if Jokic has an amazing game, if Murray is having one of his off nights, I guess you could be able to keep up with them because, like I said, they have a lot of high-level role guys around Jokic and, and Murray. And not, not the name of I guess Porter's probably star level as well, but um, if they can slow down Jamal Murray, they, they can probably hang. So whoever's guarded Jamal Murray, another X factor in this game. But I think the Nuggets win. They're just better. Yeah, I think the only way to get it is the, the pr- almost all-star fatigue. Like almost all-star, game, yeah. all-star break fatigue. But it, all, it go the other way. The division could be all-star rated to pack it in. Um, so so yeah. last nine games, Adam, Jamal Murray, 30.1 points per game on 55-50-90. That's a, that's a damn that's, good player there, Tony. Yep. So he can be very dangerous, as we saw in the bubble last year and as we've seen uh, recently. Now, he's had some some down games this year as well. He's pretty streaky. So the Pacers will definitely hope it's a down game. Yeah, for real, hopefully. How big is it, just just short to the end here, how big is this week for the Pacers season? Um, well, so that's what I was going to talk to you about for a second. So you, you look at the upcoming schedule, and it's brutal because in March they're have to play on the road a bunch because of the instant play tournament. So they yep. come out of the the break and they're a good road team. So there's that. But they play six of seven, eight of ten, eight of their first ten games out of the so break are on the road. And they're against teams like twice in Miami, in Los Angeles, in Phoenix, in Denver. Their one home game is against Brooklyn. Uh, then they're in Milwaukee. They're in Dallas. Like they're not some easy games. Uh, right. So if this team, like if this team is let's say outside the top eight when we head to the break, I don't. I mean, unless we see a Karis LeVert return or Warren return, this team is probably looking at by April 1 being a team, you said, I think you said under under 500 by six or seven games, and that might be too much to overcome. And then it's like, what do you do at this point? Do you just sort of try to figure out, you know, how to salvage your season to be the 10 team, 10 seed and just get it in the play and hopefully maybe you're healthy and whatnot, or do you make some move or whatnot? That's, that's when it 
becomes kind of nut, nut crunch. They, they have 14 games in March. I think their goal is to be to win five of them. And that's so bad to go five and nine in a month is not. Yeah. And if, if they're five and under 500 going, that means they're nine. Under but right if they now. go five and nine, they will be 20 and 26. And their April is, is easy. Like April schedule for the Pacers. Easy. Yeah, but then you've got one back-to-back, two back-to-backs, three back-to-backs, four back-to-backs, every team five back-to-backs. Every team. See, every know, team got the back-to-backs in the second half because of the COVID cancellations. Yeah, I mean, yes, the hope I is... I that the Pacers have a lot, but so does everybody. The hope is by April 1, you have Karis back. I mean, I think that's if, like, if they If they get out of March with 20 wins, I think they'll be fine. 20 wins is my number, I think. Yeah, it also depends what these looks like. Are they, and they can win three games this week and be 18 and 17, and then getting to 20 in March is very easy. So Yeah, well, and the thing, too, is, is if – so if they're 20 and 26 end of, end of March, and then it's the four seed is 23 and 23, they're still in it. But right, right. we'll see if one of these four or five, like maybe the Raptors, probably only two, I think, maybe the Heat, one of those teams can pull away because – the issue is, is they don't want to be in the seven to ten. They need to be in the top six, and honestly, they need to be in the yeah, top Boyd, five. To have Philly a sh- and Brooklyn in the first round, right? Yeah, they have to be in the top five. I should have winning a playoff series, and so right. like, if it really depends how the rest of the East looks, right? If everybody stays in this level, or even pitcher five hundred, five hundred, let's say at the end of the week, but everybody is also two or three hundred, then they're fine. It's all about what your quality of everything around you. But um, I have a feeling it's not going to stay that way. So I'm concerned that by the time they get twenty twenty six, you know, two teams will have separated themselves in the middle pack, and there'll be seven games out of fifth, fifth place, and that's kind of a probably too much to overcome that much games left. So here's the thing about being 2026 20 is the 11 seed, which is the official out of the playoffs. Holy shit. Panic spot is the Hawks who are five games under 500 and the other teams around the Pacers, like notwithstanding the Raptors, Knicks, Celtics heat right now, who all could like, those are the teams you're saying like could get up high in four, but the bulls and the Hornets and the Hawks and the Wizards, like, like none of those teams are going to just like all of a sudden the Pacers are 20 and 26. And they'll be like, Oh shit, we're 10 games behind the Hawks. Like, you know what I mean? They're going to be in the thick of it, basically, even if with a bad month. Because those. Yeah, but I, I, I think at some point when you're seven and you're in the seven and ten game, that's not really a success. Oh no, I'm not saying it's success. But, they, they will never be because of the way the plan structure is this year. Yeah. Like even if with the, an awful March, they will never be in a spot where they're like, all right, like we can't make the playoffs. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I guess my my thing would be with no fans really this year, so you're not worried about selling tickets. Do, is it a time to think about like what's our next? Every year team, like, over half the league has fans now. Yeah, but that's not, but I'm saying like you know the Patriots' biggest issue is like oh we can't sell games if we're not decent right well they're not going to sell games anyway because there's no you know what I mean there's limited fans anyways and the point I would make is that when you're down two of your starters you're not expected to be good so then it's a conversation like how do we get how would we put the best product for next season which kind of sucks but that's like we'll see where they're at I mean they, if they hold on with their guys they'll be fine but that's a question to talk about maybe in a month or so is what do you do at that point yeah. Yeah, valid. We'll see. It's a it's a very crucial march. We'll see. We'll cover it every step of the way here on Locked On Pacers. The highs, the lows, the rotation changes, everything we want to see. You got anything else today, Adam? No, I think that's it. I think we went like fifty five minutes. So I know. Sorry, everybody. Up. Lots to talk about. This team sucks right now. So you, you got to you know that they have two three game losing streaks in a month after having very few three game losing streaks for like three seasons. It's pretty jarring. Yeah. Thank you guys for tuning in. Well, again, we'll cover this team all week. They've got some important games coming up. Adam will break down this uh, this. Sixers game tomorrow night, so or tonight. So stay stay tuned for that. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.